0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live.
1: Hi, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm David Nakamura, a reporter here at the Post. And today we're continuing our Race in America series with our guest, the actor and author John Cho, whose uh, new novel uh, called Troublemaker is a portrait of a Korean American family set against the backdrop of the Los Angeles riots 30 years ago. John, welcome. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm, I'm great. Uh, you know, I have your book here, and I did read it over the weekend, um, and it's a powerful read. And I wanted to just jump right in with some questions about how this book came to be. You said in the uh, author's note in the book that you had a contract to write a different kind of book uh, in 2020, but that that year conspired against fun, in your words. Tell us a little bit about how this particular story came to be, why you wanted to tell it, and why you used the backdrop of the L.A. riots uh, to tell this story.
0: Uh, I will. And uh, forgive me if this is a a long answer, but I I had a different book in mind. It was going to be much lighter. Um, I'd always wanted to see uh, an Asian American kid on the cover of a young adult novel. It was those years um, that I became a very avid reader. And perhaps because we were moving around so much, um, books meant so much more to me at that age uh, than they do now, even. But um, but in 2020, uh, you know, because uh, we were holed up with the pandemic, um, George Floyd was murdered, uh, anti-Asian violence was rising, and our kids were at home with us, uh, we were struggling to explain uh, what could be happening. Uh, and uh, it caused me to reflect on, I guess, really uh, my immigrant journey and what the country meant, What uh, I conceived uh, the country to be when we arrived and as I grew up and um, what the country was uh, today and what my kids were gonna inherit and how we would explain all this stuff so my thoughts drifted back to another uh, incident of police brutality in 1992 and um, and I wondered how a kid might uh, see those events and uh, this story came to me and we changed course.
1: You uh, talked about that you moved around a lot. I think you ended up in Los Angeles. I'm wondering, you were a little bit older uh, than Jordan, who's the protagonist of your novel, in 1992, during the aftermath of the Rodney King verdict. What do you recall from your perspective, Uh, I think you're around 19 years old, about that time?
0: Um, A lot of anxiety. Uh, I was watching television like everyone else. Um, At first it was a phone call, the panicky phone call to my parents to see whether they were all right and whether we knew anyone uh, that had been swept up in that situation and uh, the answer was thankfully no but um you know i think i've spent a lot of years trying to understand what that event meant uh for the korean american community and even myself in general i think i was dealing with lots of things um i was worried i was ashamed uh i was trying to understand all all of what i was feeling uh at the time and i think Being a young person, I was 19 or 20 at the time, I was, um, I didn't understand how, why those men would go on the rooftops and risk their lives and perhaps have to shoot back. Um, But being older now, I suppose I understand what the the building beneath them meant, which was their savings, their future, Education, food on the table—it was sort of the entirety of their lives, um, wrapped up in a single building.
1: Yes, you—you you know what's interesting about the way you told the story was that the the riots themselves, and even Los Angeles, is not the main point of the book. I think, in at its heart, and it, the book is about an immigrant's family and a, and their own personal journey in coming to the United States. Uh, there's a part of the book where you talk about Jordan's father you're sort of ruminating on his decision to emigrate from South Korea. Uh, and and saying maybe not the best decision given some of the struggles he was facing uh, setting up in the United States. Can you talk about what you hoped readers uh, take away uh, from that uh, passage in the book?
0: Well, I suppose um, in general, I wanted the uh, the focus of the book, uh, even though it was set in a very volatile political situation, to be about a. Uh, I wanted it to be a portrait of a loving Korean American family and I wanted to start there and build outward um, and explore some family dynamics and um, as far as that particular passage I think, um, I imagine that my parents must have uh, questioned their decision making it only seems natural, Uh, even I. growing up and watching korean television or movies i would always imagine uh another life where we didn't come to america and what would that have been like um so it is a kind of great um fork in the road the the fork in the road for an immigrant family and um so it's difficult not to um, go back to that fork in the road when any um when when any uh, difficulty happens in your life.
1: Absolutely. Uh, another aspect of, of the book uh, that I know you wrestled with from what I've read is uh, the decision to make the sort of the narrative device, uh, Jordan's journey to try to bring a gun that his father owned but kept at home to his father at the liquor store the family owned. Um, I'm curious about your decision to use the gun as sort of that narrative device, given that this book is aimed at sort of young adults. Um, can you talk about how you sort of wrestled with with doing that and how, why you came to the decision to go ahead and do that, and whether you had any thought of, uh, of this book weighing in on sort of debate about guns and gun control?
0: Yeah, um, I guess the idea of the gun kind of originated from... This the image that most people remember uh, from those days of Korean Americans, and it was the men on the rooftops with their rifles defending their stores. Incidentally, um, I think most people don't realize that uh, those men weren't necessarily um, classical uh, vigilantes, but um, any immigrant from any immigrant man from South Korea has served time in the military, so they are familiar with weapons in a way that uh a lot of americans probably are not um but um but we wanted to start at that image and dig deeper and say who is that who is that man what is his family life like what is his home like and um so i always imagine that he owned a gun um as far as the decision to um, put the gun into the narrative I and have the child holding it, I had, I indeed had some great reservations about it and wondering whether I should do it at all. But I also knew that, um, you know, my kids were going through active shooter drills at school, that, you know, that the, the discussion around guns is not something that I felt that um i could avoid and and the way i phrased it i think in the author's note was that i felt it was an abdication of our responsibilities parents to not talk about these difficult things with the kids and give or rather give them an opportunity to ask questions about them so that's where i started um but the gun for him is not um is symbolic of so many things manhood and adulthood um Power—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's a stand-in for belonging in this country. So I just needed a—a a device that would stand in for all of these feelings that he was having.
1: Sure. You know, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your personal journey. Um, you know, I- immigrating from South Korea as a young boy. I think you ended up first in Houston. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about some of the—the the obstacles uh, you may have faced uh, fitting into the United States, uh, whether it was language or, or other cultural aspects uh you know in, in growing up as, as an immigrant here
0: yeah i think it's um my experience as an immigrant uh in houston was probably uh, very similar to a lot of asian immigrants um there weren't many um, koreans at the time in houston that would be uh, the late uh, 70s early 80s so um you know a lot of people didn't know where korea was on a map um, a lot of kids weren't aware that there was a uh, that American troops fought a war in Korea not not too many years prior, so um, there's a lot of ignorance. Uh, a lot of it uh, I understood. Um, some of it was mean. Some of it was just isolating. I think it was compounded by the fact that we were the only ones in our family that were in the United States. So, um, but uh, yeah, like I say, that's a very uh, there, that's a very commonplace. Um, experience for Asian Americans from, from my vantage point. I've heard that story many times.
1: It, it, it is. Um, you know, I wonder about your father because part of, you know, I think a, 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 it really, uh, at the center of your book is the relationship between Jordan and his father. And it's basically a son's search for approval. And I wonder how much you took away from your own relationship with your father, uh, who I think was a, a Christian uh, pastor who uh, ultimately uh, originated from North Korea, but uh, did you take some of the the aspects, if not the exact details, from your relationship with him?
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's funny, the the book was written so impulsively in a lot of ways that I'm kind of, uh, right now, (laughs) as I'm talking about the book uh, on the eve of its release, trying to understand (laughs) what I put in there and why I wrote what I did. Um, But absolutely, there, I think um, though jo- Jordan and his father have this very compact um, journey of understanding one another in the book, uh, mine um, it feels like a very compressed version of my relationship with my dad over many years, and uh, incidentally, he recently finished the book and and called me. and I said, uh, "What did you think?" <laughs> and uh, he said, "I, I liked it." Um, it's really made me think about um, what I did as, as a father um, and our journey here. And I said, you have to explain what that means. What, what do you mean? And he said, um, I'm not ready to talk with you about that yet. So I think he and I both are trying to figure out um, what <laughs> our relationship uh, as it relates to the book.
1: Sure. Uh, Hopefully that book can help uh, facilitate that conversation. Um, (laughs) You know, you wrote in, um, we're in a time of this pandemic where there's been a lot of talk about um, backlash against Asian-Americans and and Asian uh, people. Um, You wrote in the Los Angeles Times in 2020 uh, as anti-Asian hate incidents and racism was rising, quote, I claim the citizenship my parents wanted for me, and I think I've spent my life earning it. I'm not going to let anyone or, uh, tell me or anyone who looks like me that we are not really American. Uh, can you explain a little bit what you, uh, made you feel like you had to earn your citizenship?
0: Well, I think um, many immigrants um, have a very, make a very conscious decision to embrace the values um, set forth in the constitution. And um, I was one of those people. I really, I heard those values. Um, they were explicated to me in school and in society. And I think I made a very conscious choice to, to go forward and embrace it. And I think I've been a good citizen. Um, and, you know, the process of even taking a citizenship test is uh, kind of a a compact uh, version of that uh, larger decision. And um, I think uh, many Asian Americans feel the way I do, which is we pay our taxes. We've been here. We've um, and in the case of the uh, 92 riots, we've spilled blood in this country. So um, I think we have as much of a stake uh, to being American as anyone else and um it is a it is a tragedy that because of the way we look we would be denied um
1: that citizenship was there a moment you think you came at you were maybe six years old when you came um was there a moment you talk about taking a citizenship test i don't know if there was there a moment you felt um something had changed you were american or was that a gradual process I think that's a a very gradual process. I mean, at first, you
0: feel American in contrast to your parents, you know, who feel more Korean. Um, And so I'd always felt more American. But I think it was the um, understanding American history uh, that led me to believe that this was, um, that even though we were an imperfect country, that we were set up um to become more and more perfect as the decades passed and and that was really the kind of um questioning that arc of progress was the start of this book which was um which is to say I think I I, I, I said as much in the LA Times op-ed um that I imagine having the discussion about anti-Asian violence maybe with myself and my parents, or my parents having that discussion with me, but I never imagined that I would be having that discussion with my own children, that it, with each successive generation, things would become better. And I found myself reconsidering that proposition that it felt like we were regressing as a country. And, um, and that caused me to look backward um, toward the riots, and um, that's where the book started.
1: You mentioned your children. Uh, and I think in the, in the op-ed you talked about um, having to both, uh, you know, sort of call your parents after the outbreak of the coronavirus and some of the backlash against Asians, but also maybe having conversations with your children about uh, what, what was happening uh, and how they may be treated because of their race or their background. Um, can you talk more about those kind of conversations? What specifically maybe your kids experienced and or, you know, your kind of your conversation about what you did tell them?
0: uh i don't i don't i don't uh have any magic uh, advice for anyone but i mean our our approach was to be as honest as we could without um unnecessarily frightening them that i didn't f- want them to feel um no. you know scared about walking on the street or anything but uh we want we we wanted to make them aware that, that, that this was happening and why um and uh I, I think we just started a place of plain uh plain talk and um and measure it. Uh but that's our tactic. I don't know whether we made the right decision, whether we did the right thing. Um still remains to be seen. Uh, I, I think they're still working through it. And there's more violence. Um, this is this is continued unabated. Um I'm very dismayed to hear about uh the things that are happening in New York in particular, and
1: so uh, this is an ongoing thing, you know. Absolutely, I mean, it's it's been a year this month uh, since the tragic mass shooting in Atlanta at the Asian-owned spas. Uh, everyone from the, the White House to Congress to the Justice Department have taken steps to address uh, anti-Asian hate and hate crimes. Uh, but there's outside groups that have said that Asian uh, hate incidents against Asian Americans uh, continue to be high. I'm curious, from your vantage point, do you think there is progress being made, uh, you know, either on the political level uh, through legislation or even culturally, to try to try to deal with this?
0: I'm not aware of any successful legislation. Are you? Um, so uh, yes,
1: uh, there was the, the COVID hate crimes bill that Congress did pass. That it was modest and it instructed the Justice Department to do a bit more on hate crimes. But you're right; there's no big sweeping kind of uh, kind of bill. So I. I, I...
0: I I have to say um uh, no I I, <laughs> I guess that's my honest reaction it doesn't seem nearly enough um and whatever uh I can only measure it in terms of the amount of violence that's happening and um I don't see any effective deterrent um so um yeah i i i i guess
1: uh i would have to uh sadly say no uh... you know i've written about this there's been talk about you know sort of allyship among uh you know minority groups right and uh but there's also been cons- questions about tensions within those groups so your book addresses some of this about uh the relationship between korean americans and african americans hispanics uh jordan in his journey this uh, it, through the arc of the novel uh, you know, sort of experiences uh, different kinds of people and sort of realizes there's maybe goodness in all of us. Um, last year though, uh, Jay Caspian Kang, a Korean American writer wrote an essay in the New York Times that also looked at the, uh, the aftermath of, of the Los Angeles uh, riots and talked about the tensions between black and Korean communities um, that has existed for, for, for a while now. And talked about that if we, if we are too simplistic and cannot really uh, appreciate Some of these challenges, or some of the reasons for these tensions, uh, it could, you know, result in 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 Korean American groups embracing, uh, you know, law and order conservatism. I'm curious about if you read that, or if you have thoughts about this issue. I didn't read
0: it, Um, uh, but my general thoughts are that it's a very complicated issue, and allyship is absolutely useful. Uh, I do think that we have to recognize. First and foremost, that uh, being Asian is a kind of, to some extent, it's an artificial construct. Um, it's not a culture, you know, like being Korean is a culture, but being Asian is not necessarily a culture. So um, we come from many different places, come from many different economic backgrounds. And I think the stereotype of Asians is that we're upwardly mobile, we earn uh, we earn a lot, and that's not necessarily the case. Um, Uh, So we have to recognize how fractured we are as a political group and how many different places we come from and how um, varied we are. And uh, I think the focus rather than, um, you know, I I think I hear the phrase in the media a lot, race relations, as though there is some, as though the magic pill is um, us hugging one another. And I think really the focus should be on economic justice Social injustice, um, you know, educational uh, opportunities, and um, and that's I think the, that's where our focus should be, rather than a kind of um, artificial detente between uh,
1: between races. Sure, and um, we're we're down to under ten minutes here. I wanted to shift a little bit into uh, representation, Asian American representation. You're in Hollywood, um, where it's very important. Um, <laughs> You know, I was talking to Jeff Yang, whose son uh, Hudson was, of course, the star of uh, Fresh Off the Boat, about some of these issues for a story last year. He said, "Look, you know, the the, COVID, the backlash against Asians during this pandemic was a real wake-up call. You know, because Hollywood, you know, Asians had been celebrating success, Fresh Off the Boat, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, uh, and that this moment, you know, quickly showed that no matter who you are, uh, you know, it, it could turn on a, on a dime." Uh, that, that stereotypes, uh, negative st- stereotypes about Asians being untrustworthy, and so on, could, could uh, affect all of us. Uh, you've had experiences in Hollywood, uh, and I've read a- some about them. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you've dealt with, um, you know, efforts maybe in Hollywood to, you know, pigeonhole you, stereotype you, or or lack of support for projects featuring Asian American narratives and stories. How have you dealt with those?
0: Well. Um the easiest way to deal with um stereotypical roles is the the power that all actors have is to say no um and that's something i've employed um even when i had no juice <laughs> when i was just starting out i was i was so stupid i said no to uh to those roles um i just have always um I think I always wanted to please 12 year old me, which may explain the existence of this book. But um, I always wondered whether 12 year old me would appreciate uh, me doing this role or would be uh, upset. And that's been kind of my very uh, simple guiding principle. So that's that. That's the one thing you can do. Yeah, you have, um, there's certainly, Gatekeepers still exist, and um, I don't think I don't think I don't know what the appetite is for for um, telling our stories sometimes. I think, um, as much uh, as much new talent as there is right now, uh, my Uh, the one thing I want to be mindful of is I want to tell our stories but I want to also decide what our stories are as a community rather than have someone else tell us what is an Asian story and what is not an Asian story Um, but
1: yeah yeah I think uh, I read that you had uh, you know maybe turned down uh, the idea of having to do a sort of a stereotypical Asian accent in one case uh, maybe tweeted in another case you know stop turning our roles uh, sort of white Um, you know, but I wanted, I wanted on that note to talk. You, you wrote in your, in your essay last uh, in 2020 um, about, you know, something you learned in traveling with uh, Carl Penn, um, you know, maybe almost 20 years ago now in the aftermath of, uh, of 9-11. He's South Asian. You were traveling in airports. Could you talk a little bit about that story and kind of what it showed you about how, how people are viewed in the United States?
0: Yeah. I, was, I can't remember what year that was. It must have been 2005. 2004 is thought- 2004 yeah and we were traveling on these one-way tickets all around uh, the country to do a promotional tour for Harold and Kumar go to White Castle and um he was uh very reliably stopped for random searches um for every flight we had and um obviously he's uh he's brown and um I I wouldn't have believed it I think if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes and I think the uh the uh, the capper was, we were traveling with a friend of his who's white, and um, he went through the security screening right ahead of Cal. And um, Cal was stopped and was uh, frisked. And uh, while we were waiting for him, um, his friend, um, his white friend, looked in his backpack and realized that he had uh, neglected to remove the hunting knife that he brought
1: camping. <laughs> So the knife, double standard.
0: The Jeff Rambo knife went through, <laughs> and he walked right on through. And Cal was, uh, Cal was stopped for having
1: paper clips. We have time for about just a couple more here. Um, you know, you've 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 written this this book, um, which addresses a lot of these themes. You've you know you've dealt with it in Hollywood. Um, I'm wondering about uh, since the 2020 social justice uh, protests, whether you've sensed, and it, you know, it's not been that long. Whether you sense an appetite for more of these kind of stories, uh, I do in the media, uh, frankly. Uh, that that there is a somewhat, maybe not enough, uh, of of a, an appetite to tell some of these stories. Do you see that coming in, in Hollywood? I think so. I don't know whether
0: I, I I can't say for sure. I'm not sure that I could have written this book prior. Um, uh, there seems to be a shift. Uh, I I don't uh, I'm not out there as much uh, to talking to people but um i think so the you know just uh, in the in the conversations that i've had in my world with my business partners and uh, my representatives it seems like there is a, a an appetite to maybe explore and understand for which i'm incredibly thankful because it starts there it starts with a shift in um uh shift in attitude and, and and just the tiniest opening to try and understand one another. And so for me, I think the book is um, if I had um, an aim, it would be to generate some empathy for a Korean American family and to understand our family dynamics and to just sort of um, uh, peer into the household of a neighbor that um, that you might know actually.
1: Last question for you. i you know, you named the protagonist of Troublemaker Jordan, not after Michael Jordan, but after the uh, the river <laughs> where Jesus was baptized and the Israelites uh, crossed into the uh, the land of uh, the promised land. I, you know, at the end of the book, you know, I don't want to sort of give away any spoilers, but you do talk about, you know, sort of we're all like rivers, we're running to something bigger, an ocean, something larger than ourselves. But sometimes I wonder, are we? And I wonder, you know, given where we are, uh, a couple years after the the social justice protests. Um you know wh- where do you see the country headed where are we running what you know and, and and do you have some optimism about where we're headed
0: I have some optimism I think we um we have demonstrated an ability to unify and to um and to behave according to um our better angels I think that's there within us um it's a very distressing political moment I'm um it's tough um it, sometimes it feels like um the end of something i i'm referring to perhaps uh the environment and um you know things that seemed a thousand years away when I was a kid seem around the corner now um but I think we have it in us, yes i do um i i maybe that's unfounded, but i i um I think I'm holding on to to what I referred uh, to before the the ideals in America that I believed in it's pretty deep in me and I I do love this country you know there there was um talk just because we were living in the in New Zealand when I was writing this book and for a large part of the pandemic you know we had we were having um sort of these fanciful conversations could we live here you know and um And we decided, no, um, the United States is our home. Um, We have family, we have roots here, and um, I wanna stay and make this country uh,
1: uh, one that that my children can inherit. Very well said. Um, Unfortunately, we're out of time. John, thank you so much for um, spending this time with us and for sharing some honest reflections here. Um, And thank you uh, for watching.